welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey, hey, welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher podcast for the week. Hope you're doing great. Uh, I, um, I want to start off by saying a big, 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 big congratulations. She knows it's coming to my client, Krisha, who launched her very first run by herself sold by herself, marketed by herself, delivered by herself, training program. Uh, what are we talking about now? Two months ago. And um, her sales target was 12. And she started with 13. And after the first weekend of training, she signed up uh, participant 14. Fantastic. Well done. Love, love starting us off with the congratulations. Uh, I also want to say hello to Atsuko. Uh, she and I have been doing some awesome uh, DMing about last week's episode. Uh, and we, well, I haven't actually checked in with her on this yet, but I don't think she'll mind that we have decided that we're having a dinner party and we're inviting everybody else who would like to talk about those such things to come over, eat food, have fun, celebrate being yoga teachers just as soon as all of those sorts of things are allowed to happen. So that was fun. Um, and I also, uh, I also want to do a shout out to everybody who messaged me who is now reading uh, one of Barbara Houston's books, uh, Mon and Justine and Rachel and everybody else who has messaged me to say, OMG, I have switched up my vibration when it comes to the cash. Uh, I love that. Love that. So today we are talking about turning your trap into your trigger. <laughs> you know, when I was coming up with the agenda for today, I thought I was thinking, what can I call this? I know what I want to talk about, but what can I call it? And then that popped into my mind. And I'm like, yes, that's a great title. That's so catchy. Amy, you're so clever. <laughs> and then I thought, except it's not really what you're talking about. And then I thought, screw it. I like it anyway. They'll figure it out. <laughs> so we're going to have a conversation that's kind of about turning your trap into your trigger. All right. So let's start with a story. So uh, we're in, we're deep into the Mahabharata right now. So Mahabharata, it's one of the two key epic texts of India. It's where all the goodness comes from. If you're telling stories, there's some others, don't get me wrong, especially all you ISKCON people. I know there's others, but these are, you know, the two, the two hefty ones, the Ramayana and the Mahabharata. Um, and so we're talking about the Mahabharata uh, today, which is the one of the two epic texts. This is the one that's got the um, Bhagavad Gita in it. So if you know that book, it's a bit of this bigger book. Big. If you're watching it on VHS, it's eight cassettes. It's a long book. And it's the story of, well, it's the story of the it's a story of the Mahabharata is like the 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 great epic of the family of Parat, right? Like it's a it's a um it's a story of a, of a, of a family, of, of a royal family, big family that has uh, conflict. 
can you relate? <laughs> and uh, the the family over time, there's some um, uh, the, the 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 two king, the two brothers at the head of the family when the story more or less starts. There's some bumps in the road and the person who was going to become king can't be and so the other guy comes in and then he has a situation so he can't be. And then the, they're, all of their sons are kind of left in this situation of, well, the the heir to the throne, depending on where, which way you slice it, could fall into this branch of the family or into that branch of the family. And there's no clear line. There's a good case to be made either way, i.e. can you impeach someone who's not a president anymore? Oh, gee, there's a conversation. Kind of similar. Uh, big distinction. This one led to violence. That one won't. I'm just putting it out there. I'm affirming it to the universe. So there are two sets of brothers. They're cousins, these two sets of brothers, the Pandavas and the Karavas. And for simplicity's sake, the Pandavas are the good guys and the Karavas are the bad guys. And the good guys, um, the second brother there, Arjuna, is the, um, is the, the protagonist in the Bhagavad Gita. He's the guy who's meant to go into war and is having a freak out because he's looking at all the people he's going to have to kill and they're his teacher and his family and he's freaking out. And his mate Krishna essentially gives him the bro talk and that's what the Bhagavad Gita is. Again, I'm being irreverent and uh, irreverent so that these things feel accessible and also for brevity, I don't mean to... uh, uh, suggests that it's not a profound and meaningful spiritual text in any sense. So Arjuna and his brothers, um, his, his four brothers, they um, have a wife that they share. That's a whole other story, which I love, uh, called Draupadi. She is, uh, not only is she just my favorite go-to archetype when it comes to talking about abundance, but she's also my go-to archetype when it comes to dating, because why not have five people on the go? You know, not everybody's free all of the time. You gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure you've got lots of opportunities. I'm into it. That's my dating style. Thanks, Drabity. Yes, please. I like the number five. So anyway, five guys, one wife, and their mum, whose name is Kunti. We love her. She's a good mum. Uh, how that all happened is a whole other show. But for right here and right now, there's five bros, five brothers and their wife and their mom. And they have been through some shit because of this family discord. And um, but, you know, they're good people. They're trying to see the best in their relatives. Can you relate to that? Uh, Let's give it one more try. And the relatives uh, have got evil schemes and plans, and they want to take down these boys. Um, The head of that collective of people, they had more than five brothers because something gross that happened, um, which it's disgusting. And anyway, we won't get into it, but there was like a hundred of them. Um, they're headed up by this bad dude called Dorodana. Anyway, so Dorodana is like, fuck you guys. I want to be king. So he tries to kill them. He tries to kill them in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, and the way that we're going to talk about today is talking about the lack house and what that means 
and how we can apply this teaching to your business. So we've done some scene setting. There's the good guys, the bad guys. They're trying to, the good guys are like, okay, let's give them a second chance. The bad guys are like, let's seduce them in and kill them by pretending to give them a second chance. Or I think we're at like the fourth chance actually at this stage. So Derodiner and his family um, say, hey, you guys, come, you should come stay with us, you know, come hang out. Let's, uh, let's, let's do some family time. Come, come over and hang out. And, uh, we've, you know, we, we'll build you this great guest house. Look, we've just we'll pimp it out for you. It will be amazing. You'll love it. Come hang out, bring your mom, bring your wife. Like let's, let's, let's reconnect. And, and the pandavas think, okay, well, I guess they're trying, you know, maybe they're changing their ways. Let's, let's give this a go. We've been doing it tough, uh, for a while. It would, it would be nice to have a, a sweet kind of, guest house to to go stay in for a while so they do now the lack house is called the lack house because it because it's made they decided to build it all in highly flammable materials so if you lit a match it would just go up in flames what they were hoping to do the bad guys the caravas was to get the pandavas in get them all comfy and then one night when they were asleep light this thing on fire burn them all to death claim the throne good plan. So they've built this stunning house and it's got all of the stuff, you know, it's got like TVs everywhere. It's got two ovens. What the hell is with that? I have a friend. She's got two ovens. What's going wrong? What's happening with the world? What the fuck do you need two ovens for? Anyway, it's got two ovens. It's got like two fridges with the glass doors. You know what I'm talking about? Every bedroom has an ensuite. It's like it. Dream home. Hashtag dream home. And, um, but it's, it's, built out of like everything's lacquered up the yin yang waxy all the rest of it ready to blow so but the the pandavas at first and foremost they don't know this but anyway they arrive and then they get some intel there's a double agent in the midst and they get this intel about what's actually planned the derodoner's intention is to wait to throw a party spike everyone's drinks and when they've all passed out burn the shit down that's the plan nice nice family right like they're going to spike everyone's drinks and then when they're all wasted, because of course they don't drink because of course they're the good guys and you don't do those things if you're a good guy at that time, um, then they're going to claim the claim the kingdom. Asshole. Amy needs to tick the explicit content on this episode. <laughs> oh, family dramas, they just bring out the potty mouth. So the Pandavas, Arjuna, etc., gets the news that the bad guys, Derodana, etc., have this cunning plan and they're going to burn the shit down. So they know, they know that they've actually walked into a trap, big one, potentially fatal trap. And this is the teaching for today. They don't flee, at least not immediately. They know something really bad is on the horizon and they need to take action to avoid it. But what they don't do is go into an emotional meltdown about the fact that an imminent threat is on the horizon. Instead, what they do is come up with a strategy to avoid that becoming their reality. It involves digging a big tunnel. It also involves the murder of like lower caste people like that's bad but anyway that's a that's another podcast for today for today uh they come up with a plan that involves digging a tunnel so that they can escape before the house gets set on fire 
And this is where I want us to spend our time talking about the application of yoga mythology into real life. Again, the setup here, they think everything's going really great. It all looks really good. They've had a win. They've had success. They're in this beautiful home. Things seem to be going well again with the fan bam. And then they find out, oh shit, something really bad is coming right up at us. And they make a plan and they take their time to execute it. It took a long time to dig that tunnel and sneak it out, uh, you know, what Shawshank Redemption style, so that nobody noticed that that was what was going on. This is what I want you to think about in your business this week. Here's what can sometimes happen with the fabulous people that I work with in my business, aka you. Something great happens. Make a bunch of money. Yes, I can pay my bills. I can pay my, I don't know, Yoga Reliance membership. I can buy myself some butt lifting pants from Sweaty Betty, whatever. All is going well. And then you go, oh, but I've just sold everything. Imminent threat. No money in on the horizon. And then what comes next? Panic, freak out, meltdown. I'm not meant for this. I need to get a part-time job. What am I going to do when I can't pay for my kids' school shoes? I'm, I don't know, whatever else you do in this voice when you're freaking out, right? But go straight into like panic and freak out. When we can see, when we've had nice comfy times and we see that coming to an end, we can go into freak out and panic. Here's what I want you to consider. I want you to think more like the Pandava boys when they knew that their cousins were planning on burning them to death. They didn't just run away. They didn't they didn't freak out. They didn't get all reactive and emotional about it. They got clear on what needed to happen and they implemented their strategy in a very grounded, mindful, calm way to avoid the disaster and achieve their goals. And that is what I want for you in your business. So I've come up with one, two, three, four ways that you can dig your own tunnel, i.e. avoid the meltdown that comes with an impending financial shortfall. If we were live with each other right now, I would say, who's interested in hearing that? And you would say, me, or you'd do like the thumbs up emoji on Zoom. (laughs) So that's what we're going to talk about next. How do you avoid How do you plan for avoiding, better, how do you plan for avoiding the impending doom of your cousins burning you to death, aka a financial shortfall? How do you plan to avoid that? All right, so I've got, like I said, I've got four ways that you can do that. So let's let's just set a scenario. So for all of you who, if you teach, uh, maybe you teach classes. Um, in fact, I was working on this exactly this with one of my one-to-one clients last week. She just had a great month. 
exceeded her financial goal for the month, feeling like, you know what, maybe this is doable. Maybe I don't have to work like a crazy person and I can replace my corporate income. Like maybe this is, this is possible. But she had a great month because it was the start of the year and she'd just sold a whole bunch of people into eight weeks of yoga. That all paid in full, right up front. Great. She's got the money in the bank. She's feeling really good. And then what happens next month? Because I've already sold all the yoga. Impending doom, house burning down, disaster. So what we worked on was, okay, well, how are you going to dig your tunnel? We're unavailable to renegotiate the terms. She's not going to burn down in that house. We are having another great month next month. So what do we need to do in a planned, strategic not freaking out, not reactive way to make sure that that's possible. So the first thing that I want to talk about is the strategies for this is making sure that you're always selling something, right? So hang on, this is the overarching piece. You always need to be selling something if you always want the money to be coming in in a consistent way. If your business model is you'd like consistency of income rather than peaks and troughs of income, one is not better than the other. You get to choose how you like to roll and what feels better, more secure, more exciting or whatever appeals to you. But let's presume that you prefer to have some sense of being able to project your financial security into the future. So you can estimate how much is coming in and you can actually set a target for yourself and achieve it. Again, at whatever scale that is for you. Maybe it's a 10K month, maybe it's a 2K month, maybe it's a 20K month, doesn't matter. It's just what feels right for you. Okay, so we know that, let's take my client's example. She did really well because she sold heaps of people eight weeks of yoga and they all paid in full at the start. And now she's thinking, oh crap, What am I going to do next month so that I still make that same amount of money? Like I said, we're unavailable to renegotiate the terms. This is what she is creating for herself. But what we do get to do is look at how do we do it? So these are the four things that you can do to ensure that you are continuing to bring in money and you're not going into freak out. How can you make your trap your trigger means how can you make that impending thing, the house is going to burn down, the trigger to go and take strategic, and that doesn't mean dry and boring, it just means smart, strategic action to ensure your own success rather than let yourself be burnt to death after getting your drink spiked at a family reunion (laughs) because that sucks. So the first thing to think about is making space between selling and delivery. This is where a lot of teachers get caught up. I think... And I was thinking about this when I was preparing uh, for this to, to record this episode. I suspect that um, I was thinking about how so many teachers that I work with have a teeny tiny space between selling and delivery. And, and I was thinking about, well, why? Why is that the case? And I suspect it's actually a symptom of not enough planning in the first place, right? Like we don't give ourselves enough time. And so the default has become... I'll sell this for the, the three weeks immediately before I teach it. That, and that's just our default. You sell something right hard up against when you're actually going to deliver it. But that doesn't have to be the case. There's no, there's no reason why that has to be the default unless you've chosen it. It may be the default for other reasons. And here I'm encouraging you to think about perhaps doing it differently. So making more space between what you're selling and when you're 
delivering it can help you to smooth out those pits and peaks and troughs in your projected income. So for example, you've got uh, you've just sold, let's take my client's example, you've just sold a bunch of people into eight weeks of yoga, made good money, great. Oh God, I've got nothing to sell in March. February was awesome, but March, holy God, what am I going to do? Well, okay, what what am I doing in April? Oh, in April, I'm teaching a half-day workshop. Okay, so what about you sell that puppy in March? So the money comes in in March. You might not deliver it until the end of April, but why not sell it in March? There's nothing to say you have to sell it in the immediate weeks leading up to the thing. Sell it earlier. Make more space between selling and delivery. This is one of the ways that you can create more financial security for yourself. You can trigger yourself into being smart and digging your tunnel and coming up with ways to smooth out your income by making more space between when you sell it and when you deliver it. And this is absolutely true for things like retreats, workshops, you know, large uh, teacher trainings, mentorship programs, larger ticket items. People will buy that stuff six, eight months in advance. So make more space between what you're selling and when you're delivering it. The next thing that you can do is bundle what you already have. So rather than putting more into your calendar, because that's not the answer. Oh God, March is going to be a shitty month. I need to like offer six more things and never have a day off and just blow out my adrenals to make sure that the money keeps coming in. I would suggest, I mean, you could do that, but it would suck. I would suggest don't do that. Um, that is a shitty option in, uh, you know, they actually say that at Harvard Business School, that is technically described as a shitty option. Rather, think about what you've already got and sell it. So I won't name names, but she can declare herself if she wants to in some fashion. Uh, I was talking to someone who bought my business bundle, which is exactly what I'm talking about, people. So she signed up and she bought my business bundle. And in buying my business bundle, she thought, hmm, maybe I could make a bundle. So she got five classes that she'd already taught on Zoom that she had recorded. She put them into a bundle sign up and get five videos that you can stream whenever you want for however much money. She sold that bundle and she made back the money that she invested in buying my bundle. I mean, how cool is that? So what have you already got that you could sell? March is going to be a shitty month. Maybe you've taught four virtual retreats, one for each of the seasons over the past 12 months. Maybe you could package all of those up and sell it as like, you know, a, a, a staycation yoga retreat that you do in four parts or yoga for the year ahead or whatever and sell something that you've already got. This is how you can smooth out your income. Your, you know, if you thought about it as a graph, like <laughs> you want to smooth that thing out. So what have you already got that you could repurpose and package in a different way and sell to you know, in, in, in different combinations of permutations, bundling your existing products to call in income from something that you've already got. The next thing is to think about, okay, well, I'd like to, um, the next thing to think about in smoothing out your income is selling to different, different things to different people. So for example, uh, if we go again, let's go back to my client. Okay. She sold all of her students into this eight weeks of yoga. But actually, she still has 
some mat space. She's still got about 40% capacity in all of the mats that she's selling it through the week for students to come in and do yoga with her. She's still got about 40% capacity. She could still take maybe another 30 students per week across all of the classes that she offers. So there's an opportunity to call in new people. She could offer casual drop-ins to people that aren't already in her cooler. She could run, I mean, she's teaching the classes anyway. The mats are there anyway. She's planning the classes anyway. They're all going ahead anyway. It's not putting more delivery into the month of March for her. It's just using the delivery she's already committed to, but it is putting more income into the month of March. So for example, maybe it's a Facebook advertising campaign that intentionally targets an audience that excludes her existing email subscribers, but includes everybody who lives within a driving distance to where she runs her classes. Great. This is now a Facebook advertising campaign, or maybe she just does it on Insta or whatever, but you get my point. It's a social media marketing campaign that no one who is already coming to her classes is going to see because she sets that up in the settings. But new people who haven't come to her classes before will see that she's now available for drop-ins. Great. Not more delivery, just more income. Or she could reach out to different audiences to offer her casual classes through joint venture partnerships. Maybe she offers a member's discount to a health spa. Maybe she sets up a JV, you know, bring a friend for free with, um, a, I don't know, like a, 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 a hairstylist or a beauty treatment joint or somewhere where, or a health shop or somewhere where people, running shoes, whatever, where people who are likely to be interested in her type of yoga hang out, maybe she offers that business some kind of a discount that they can pass on to their, their clients, their customers, their members to incentivize them to come try out her yoga. And in exchange down the road, she does a similar sort of thing to her community with that company's promotion. Get 10 bucks off your the next pair of running shoes when you shop here because I think they're a great business, for example. So again, it's not, we're smoothing out the money. We're, we're making sure that the that impending doom, that the house is not going to burn down. We're coming up with a solution, but not in a panicky way. Oh, holy shit. I need to like do more. I need to, I need to make more. I need to consume more of my time teaching more yoga because I'm freaking out that I'm going to run out of money. No, no, no. Let's call in more money in smart, sensible, strategic ways by selling what you're already doing to more people. Does that make sense? And then the last step here, the last option here that in terms of creating your tunnel, I know I'm really working this metaphor, but I think it, I think it's still working. The last option here is to stage the selling of your product. So it's similar to, um, this is similar in a sense to making more space between selling and delivery, but slightly different. Here's what I mean. Release your things in stages. This is your super early bird, early bird, full pay situation. People often say to me, Amy, how long should I leave between the super early bird and the early bird? Or Amy, how long should I leave the super early bird? Sorry, how long should I leave the early bird before it's the, before I go to the full pay? Okay, that's a good question. But my answer is always, well, what's going on in your life? And when are you going to need more money coming in? Because here's what we know. People wait until the very last minute to buy something. 
I love you all. You all freaking do this to me. (laughs) I'm sure your people do it to you. And I'm sure I do it to people that I buy things from, right? Or 11th hour. Okay, now I'm going to buy this thing that I've had the tab open for like two months. I haven't updated my computer because I don't want to close that tab because I'm going to buy that thing. But man, I'm going to wait until there's like a second and a half left on that countdown timer, right? Everybody buys at the last minute, whatever. We do it. It's shitty. We all do it to each other. Okay. So that's how you decide when does your super early bird end. If you're teaching a retreat in, I don't know, Costa Rica. No, hang on. Where would I like to go? I'm going to make this where Amy would like to go do a retreat. I would like to go to Kosamui because I should be in Thailand and I want to be there right now. So let's, I've never been to Kosamui, so actually I have once. Anyway, whatever. I would like to go there on a yoga retreat. Uh, okay, good. So let's say you're teaching a yoga retreat in Kosamui in November and um, you know that March is going to be a low month because you just sold the hell out of your yoga classes and ain't nobody else on your mailing list buying more class passes or whatever in March that because they already bought them all in February. So then you set your super early bird at the end of March because people buy at the last minute. So you are in, you are encouraging people to give you the money in the month when you're going to need it. Stage your purchasing options at times that um, uh, preempt what might be a smaller month for you in terms of your other offerings. I want to say, does that make sense here? But you can't tell me if it does or not, which is the frustrating. I said this last week. It's the frustrating part about podcasting. Just a bit too one directional. Tell your car. Okay. So let's go back. The, um, the, the, the teaching for today we take from the Mahabharata, which is when you know that something shitty is coming up, how do you not lose your mind, but plan in a really smart way so that you avoid the shitty situation? And where I want you to think about applying this in your business this week is in your finances. We've had some really great conversations over the past two weeks about money, abundance, prosperity, wealth, spirituality. And so many of you messaged me to talk about how you're upping your game in terms of, there was lots of phrases like big girl panties, which is weird, but I know what you mean. Um, grown ups, this sort of stuff. Essentially we're, we're deciding to become more sophisticated and informed and empowered about money management, which I love. Yes, yes. And big, big yes. So how do we in becoming more sophisticated and empowered in our money management, How do we be more strategic and grounded in avoiding a shitty situation on the horizon, which for most of us looks like a small income month? And my suggestions for you today are make more space between selling something and delivering it. You don't need to sell it down to the wire. You don't need to be lying awake the night before you teach something, hoping that overnight PayPal signs up one more person for £20. Excel it a month in advance. So you're not even thinking about it. It's full and you're ready to rumble three weeks before the thing even happens. Bundle what you've already got. What have you already delivered? What have you got recorded? Everybody should have a wealth of recordings, thanks 2020, that you can repackage and offer in different ways. What have you already got? Maybe you put some things together and you include a 45-minute one-to-one session. I don't know. Maybe it comes with, maybe you've got a bit of 
um, stuff. Maybe you make eye pillows. Maybe you've got some yoga mats that you could bundle up with some recorded mini retreats. What have you already got that you could package up and sell as a special opportunity? So it's not delivering more, it's stuff you already have. The next one was, how can you sell what you're already doing? This works really well for class vacancies, for example, to different people. Is it a joint venture opportunity with an allied business? Is it a Facebook advertising campaign that actively targets people you don't know yet? Um, How could you be reaching different people and inviting them into what you're already doing? And then the fourth one is, how can you be timing the release or the, the, sorry, the end date of your super early bird and your early bird and shit, your full pay in a way that preempts where you may, where you may have a financial shortfall. I really believe that there is no reason why everybody needs to be going, okay, this month I feel all right. This month I could pay all my utilities and, and I bought the nice food and shit. We even went out for dinner twice on date night. Uh, and then the month after you're freaking out and scratching it together and kind of looking at what you can defrost from the freezer, because it would be kind of good if we didn't have to go back to Sainsbury's today, right? Like, or whatever, wherever you go, I don't care. Coles, I don't know. Uh, Vons, wherever you buy your food. (laughs) Vons. Oh, I still have a Vons card in my purse. Like I'm using that much. So I don't think there is a reason for that. I think we get to decide, you know what, like my client, fuck it. Like I'm no longer available for, okay, boom and bust, boom and bust. I like boom and bigger boom and slightly smaller boom and bigger boom. Sure. If you want variety, if you're a variety driven person, like have variety in your booms, but let's not do busts. And there is no reason if you apply this stuff. So if your trap, if your house burning down is fine, let's call it for why not? It's Monday morning hyperbole, financial ruin. How can you use that financial ruin that you've just heard about that you can see on the horizon to trigger you into making better choices about being intentional about when the money comes in, in into your business. You are not beholden to when people want to spend. You get to tell people when they can invest in your business, when they can sign up for something with you. You are in charge of that, not them. This is going to be a brain twister for some of you, but I mean, Again, if I was in the room with you all, I'd say, put your hand up. If you feel like the person determining how much money you make in a month is your student. And I say that's only the case if you let it be. If you apply even just one of these four uh, strategies, you're starting to get yourself out of being beholden to your studentship's buying behavior, and you're starting to create for yourself financial security. This is when I'm available for you to buy something from me. And sure, if someone wants to spend extra when you're not, okay, you get to say yes to more, but you don't have to hope that they buy. You don't have to just decide that, oh, okay, well, you know what? I filled all of the classes in February, so March is going to suck. That's a choice that you don't have to make. Let's turn that potential trap of having a short month or earning less or feeling like there's not enough into your trigger to take smart, strategic, grounded, planned 
action. The Pandavas didn't, even when they figured out that, you know what, we're going to dig a tunnel, we're going to, we're going to Shawshank ourselves out of here, it's going to be okay, they didn't just all go get shovels and spend all night, didn't sleep all night, digging a hole themselves. They hired people to make that shit happen. They hired people. They still slept at night. They weren't doing it all. This doesn't have to be all drama, all hard work, all freak out. That stuff is the opposite of what we would tell our students all the time when they come to yoga. Why the hell are we modeling that in our businesses? I don't want that for you. So thanks to the Pandavas, Drodna with his burning down house. This is how you can turn your trap into your trigger to take better action. And when I mean better action, I mean action that is going to create the mm, feeling tone for you that you want to exist in. Ease, flow, abundance, inspiration, being in service. No one's thinking about, oh, what could I share on my social media this week that's really going to be in service to my people when they're thinking, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to pay my bills? We need to get out of that. Like, Just tick that off the list because your trap, financial ruin, <laughs> house burning down, is now your trigger to be smarter about how you set your business up so that it's smooth. Let's not Let's not hyperextend the hell out of your business joints, right? Like let's let that energy flow in a more smooth, um, continuous way. Cool? Cool. Uh, Righto. So uh, no surprise, I am also today inviting you to sign up for yoga and story. So see what I did there? See that? See that? Teaching point. Uh, What I've just done is teach you a financial lesson based on a story from the Mahabharata. And guess what? There are oodles of them. Watch this space. There will be more. So if you like the idea of exploring these books, the Ramayana, the Mahabharata, in a way that is fun and, yes, irreverent, playful, and really applicable to modern day life, then do please take a look at Yoga and Story, which is currently open for registrations. Um, yeah, we get started at the end of the month. I think there's two weeks to go to get yourself signed up if that's what you want. Essentially, it's six two-hour conversations over six or seven or eight weeks. I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember off the top of my head where we do exactly this. We look at a portion of the story or we look, or we look at certain characters, particularly ones that aren't talked about perhaps as often. Uh, we look at narratives, archetypes, tropes, and application. How can we weave in yoga philosophy? How can we apply these teachings to an asana sequence? How could we structure an entire retreat based on this portion of a story? How can we seek to inspire our students from these characters, these heroes, these goddesses, princes, princesses, um, underdogs, freaks and geeks, all of the amazing characters that we find in these two epics So if you're interested in getting to know these texts more and if the idea of just buying a copy and plunging into it feels daunting, um, do take a look at this course. Or if you just like to geek out and have like nerdy yoga conversations with like-minded people, take a look at this course. If you're feeling isolated or if you're feeling that yoga is becoming increasingly vacuous, (laughs) come hang out with us for this course. Uh, the link is amymcdonald.com.au forward slash story. The link is in the episode notes. You can go take a look at, um, get a sense of what the, what the course is about. Like I said, though, essentially it's six two-hour conversations where I kick us off with some stories, 
subplots, ideas, and then we all collectively kind of riff on what does that mean? How could we use it? What are we taking from it personally? How could we use that in business and life? Uh, We look at, I help you uh, overlay philosophical principles, like how does this overlay with the chakra system or how does this overlay with the um, Mahabhutas, etc. So that's kind of fun if you're interested in kind of dabbling a little bit more in applied philosophy. But this is a a yoga storytelling course and it's also, uh, you know, it's Yoga Nerds Club. So amymcdonald.com.au forward slash story if you want to join us on that. Uh, like I said, you've got two weeks from today, I think, to sign up. And uh, keeping that one fairly small because I want to, we, we have these great conversations. So uh, there's 30 places available in total and five fabulous people have already signed up. So there's still 25 spots left. Lots of space. Get yourself in though. I don't want you to miss out. amymcdonald.com.au forward slash story. Um, and thanks everybody who sent me just really great feedback about, um, the podcast. I really appreciate that. I really, really appreciate people who do, uh, reviews for me. That makes a massive, massive difference. Um, so thank you for that. Next week, we're going to have a special guest, special guest week next week. So that's going to be fun, but for right now, uh, yeah, good luck. Let me know. Turn your trap into your trigger. What is it that's on the horizon for you in business that you're scared of? And how can you actually use that as the reason to get smarter and more strategic and take planned, mm, mindful, intentional action to make sure, ensure, create certainty that that thing you're scared of never actually happens. Love it. Till next week. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask, if you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at amyyogabizcoach. Take deep care.